Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Episode 524 to be exact, and it's coming out on Sunday, September 27th, 2020. Um, folks, I, I really appreciate you tuning in. You know, my numbers have been going up a lot lately. I checked the statistics once in a while, and I just uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It's been over 11 years, and of course, 524 episodes, and you keep sticking with me. I am a practical guy, and this is a practical show. I'm just an everyday dude. Uh, I am not ex-law enforcement or ex-military, or I'm not a fancy gunsmith. I teach a few firearms classes on the side, but mostly I give you an everyday guy's perspective on concealed carry, firearms, guns, shooting, competition shooting, and all kinds of things like that. Last week there was no episode because I was teaching a class with Ben Branham, Beyond Concealed Carry, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. Not too much, but I feel I owe you a good recap because it was a excellent class well attended a good squared away group of students some good testimonials came out of it and uh, it's just so much fun I, I can't believe I actually get paid to go out and share some of my knowledge that I've learned in 15 years it's a uh, it's just a hobby of minor I guess it's kind of like a uh, a side gig uh, my real job of course I'm still doing that and loving that and um it's uh, it's kind of cool to be in this position, but it's all because of you, the listener. You've made this happen over 11 years and 524 episodes. So let me remind you, this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fantastic concealed carry holsters. I just ordered a new one, a new Cobra uh, Zero, a Cobra Zero, which means it's got zero cant, straight up and down. Hey, and let me explain to you why. Uh, let me just tell you, you can find their products at concealmentsolutions.com. And for all you Shooters Club members, you only have about three days left to take advantage of the 15% discount. And uh, you just have to email me and get the code for the 15% discount. I'll respond quickly because I know you only have three days left. So let me tell you why I got a Cobra Zero a zero drop or a zero cant holster. It's for a Glock 43 or 43X. Now, this is something I have noticed, and especially when practicing my draw to the first shot. When I draw to the first shot, maybe two shots, even three shots, what I find is if I put a Glock in any holster that has a 15 degree cant, yes, it makes it easier to conceal, but for me, it makes it a little more difficult to draw. And uh, let me explain by that. A Glock has a, a grip angle that's different than most handguns. Uh, Smith & Wesson, for example, advertised that their M&Ps have an 18-degree more natural grip angle. Okay, and that's probably pretty close to the same as the 1911 and many other polymer guns out there. Glocks are a little bit different. 22 or 23 degree grip angle. Now, grip angle, I think, is an over-exaggerated issue when it comes to shooting. Uh, you can get used to the grip angle, but I will say that it's not over-exaggerated when it comes to the draw. So, the grip is at too much of an angle when I put a Glock in a holster with a 15 degree cant. Uh, I'm going to experiment with a straight drop which means no cant whatsoever. 
because the, you know it's it's just as easy for me to conceal you know the cobra outside the waistband holsters or any inside the waistband holster it's easy to conceal something in my opinion like a Glock 43 or a Sig P365 or even a a 365XL which I got to shoot during the class I taught last week I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later it's pretty easy to conceal these small guns and so I don't really need to have a holster with a cant a straight drop is good enough for me now if I'm carrying a shield or a P365 something that doesn't have quite so much of an angle to the grip then I may use a cant holster I'm not sure so I'm going to test this so I'll be reporting back I'll be doing a probably a test of about three months on a zero drop holster and so I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you about that to me it makes the draw faster and here's why I think it does because when I put my M&P 2.0 compact or when I put a shield in in a holster even with a 15 degree cant I can draw that gun faster than I can any Glock because of the more natural grip angle and so I'm thinking to myself alright if I just if I carry the Glock in a straight drop holster then that's gonna pretty much be pretty much like carrying an M&P in a holster that has a slight cant to it now when I'm competing by the way when I'm competing I like to use a straight drop holster it works just fine I do it with an M&P 2.0 compact I also do it with a Glock 19 and a Glock 17 I use a straight drop holster sometimes I compete with my concealed carry gear which is a really good idea by the way all of you should train and compete with your concealed carry gear then sometimes I'm using a holster that has a 15 degree cant but I'm going to be experimenting with zero drop holsters because I don't think it's going to make it any more difficult for me to carry a gun and I think it's going to make it easier with a Glock especially easier and faster to, to draw the gun so be listening for that I'll also do some YouTube videos and I'll do some Patreon videos by the way folks I have a, a Patreon page now for all of you that wish to support the show maybe you're not a member of, of the Shooters Club for whatever reason but you want to support my show keep in mind I only have one paid sponsor Concealment Solutions that's it I don't have a whole bunch of sponsors which means I don't run a lot of commercials in this show but I do need your support so for as little as three dollars a month you can be a patreon supporter patreon.com slash handgun world there's always going to be a link in every uh, episode show notes for that patreon.com slash handgun world they are they there are already on my patreon page here let me count them real quick one two three four five six seven seven videos already Spencer keepers videos uh, when he interviewed with me uh, some some videos from classes uh, the most recent class I taught there's gonna be about a nine-minute video from that class that's gonna be posted in about a week uh, Brent Yamamoto that's an audio podcast you can now access on my patreon page and uh, some other videos that I did uh, at the range just myself and then the other thing I want to talk about is I am writing a uh, a book pretty much but the way I'm gonna publish my book is 10 different articles it's gonna be a short book the name of the book is called because I can't carry a cop that's the, that's the name of the uh, series of articles because I can't carry a cop and Article 1 is already posted. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you're going to have access to that. Uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can access all these videos and the uh, the article that I wrote. And Because I Can't Carry a Cop is an article pretty much designed and geared towards new shooters. So if you're new to this, support me. Uh, 
check out that article October 15th I'm going to be publishing article 2 uh, and I think every month on the 15th of the month I am going to be publishing those so check out those out handgun world I'm sorry patreon.com slash handgun world patreon.com slash handgun world the different membership levels are $3 a month, $6 a month, or $15 a month. Of course, you get more benefits with each package, but definitely you're going to have instant access to the eight videos I've got up there. The first article, the first chapter of the 10-chapter book that I'm writing, you're going to have instant access to, and some special audio podcasts. Okay. A brief recap on the class. Now, I don't, I don't want this to be a commercial, but I've got some things that I learned as an instructor that I want to share with you. You know, instructors learn a lot by doing these classes, too. They should. They learn a lot about people, people's development in the shooting world, concealed carry, even what background that they have, and, and even why they're taking the class. So we had 10 real good students at Beyond Concealed Carry last weekend here in San Antonio. And uh, just some amazing things happened. People, I heard a lot of comments from people saying, I did not know that I could do this with a handgun. I didn't know that this was possible to do with a, ha with a handgun. I love that when I hear that. Because when somebody says, I, couldn't do, I didn't know I could do this, or, or it's just, I didn't know this was possible... That tells me that Ben and I are doing a good job of teaching and we're, we're getting the material across in a way that people can understand it, use it, and learn it. And I think that's the biggest benefit is that, you know, Ben brings, ben brings his military experience and his experience of being in a gunfight, several, several gunfights. I bring the more practical everyday guy attitude and uh, perspective to it and we blend it together very well and we do a good job of teaching it together so students really develop it was a two-day class uh, people shot about an average of 450 rounds we we used to do a 650 round class but because of the ammo shortage I would say bring 600 or 650 to the class, but you're more realistically going to probably shoot 400 to 450, and you're going to get real good training from that. So hopefully you folks don't mind that we have respected the ammo shortage, uh, but we still give you just as much learning activity. We figured out how to do that. We had a good team of people, a husband and wife team. The wife uh, has had some... Uh, past experiences. Uh, she's a rape survivor, so she really learned a lot about defending herself. Go to my Facebook page, Handgun World on Facebook. You can see the testimonial that I put up there and um, from that student. We also, like I said, another student, one of our one of our senior students was the one that made a comment to me that he was surprised at what he could actually do with a handgun and he wasn't didn't even know. And that's the thing. When, when you hear instructors say sometimes people don't know what they don't even know, that's, that's proof right there. What, what this student said to me, uh, you know, I didn't even know that it was possible for me to do this with a handgun. That says he didn't know what he didn't know. But now he knows what he didn't know. And now he's at pretty much the third step in the learning process. The first step being impact. Something has an impact on you. Oh man, I didn't know that I could do this. That's the impact. Then the repetition. So then you practice it in class over and over again. So you get the repetition. And then utilization. All right, We teach them how to utilize it in a self-defense situation. Uh, so he's already at step number three. And uh, it's, it's great. It was just a lot. A lot of... Uh, really good information that was shared and it was a great class and I always enjoy uh, teaching them because I always learn something. We had I think four or five repeat students and let me tell you folks there's no better compliment to an instructor than getting a repeat student. That That's the best compliment that we could ever get. When somebody decides that they're going to come back and take it again 
that just that speaks volumes right there. So join us in Dallas, November 14th and 15th. We're we're going to be teaching at a range down in Waxahachie, uh, south of Dallas, uh, about an hour or so, November 14th and 15th, and then Houston. We got a Houston class booked. The Impact Zone range uh, in Houston, January 9th and 10th, 2021. Uh, join us for Beyond, come train with us, Beyond Concealed Carry at the Impact Zone range out near Houston. Uh, if you are interested in having us come, or even having me come, or Ben come, or whatever, to do a class for your group, private class, or if you want to host us to do a public class in your area, send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. We'll let you know all about information on that and uh, what it takes for one of us or both of us to come out there and teach. So I want to talk about training with your concealed carry gun. A lot of people were training with their concealed carry guns at the class that Ben and I taught last weekend. It was really good to see. I am so happy that people are bringing out their Smith & Wesson shields, their Glock 43X, their SIG P365s and 365XLs. Let's see, what else did we have out there Glock 19s, some people with full-size guns like M&Ps, Glock 17s. But I was so happy to see people come out with their concealed carry guns. and They had to do more reloading of the pistol than the people with high caps. But, well, normal capacity magazines, I shouldn't say high capacity. 15 rounds on a Glock 19, that's normal capacity, right? 17 rounds in an M&P. 18 rounds and a SIG or something like that. That's that's normal capacity. That's not high capacity. Only anti-gunners call that high capacity. It's normal capacity. So people came out with less than normal capacity guns and uh, trained with them. And you know you have to know how to use your gun if that's what you're going to carry. You got to practice. You know I can't tell you how many times I've been to a competition match. And someone is shooting their race gun in competition. Or their big large Glock 34s or the huge FN pistols or some kind of a big giant 1911 that's set up open style or 2011. And uh, big giant guns like that, handguns like that. And I've seen this more than once. They do great. They they shoot a good match and they're impressive with their big huge race guns open guns and then they slide a j-frame revolver in their pocket at, when they leave the range and that's their carry gun and some of them don't even carry some of them just show up for the sport and shoot but they never carry and sometimes those that do carry they they slide the ruger lcp or the or the uh you know j-frame revolver or whatever and it, it just kind of makes me think Wow, here they've been competing and they probably trained thousands and thousands of rounds with their race gun or duty gun, but are they doing the same thing with the little pocket gun or the tiny little inside the waistband gun that they're carrying? So I'm glad that, that students were doing that. You need, you need to know what it's like to shoot your gun with a shorter sight radius. Even if you have a red dot on your small gun, you know you need to practice with that. With it, with a capacity of only eight rounds or nine rounds, or even if you got like a Sig P365 or something, and you're shooting just the ten round magazines that came with the pistol, um, have have you learned what what to do? Uh, do? You know, the shorter sight radius makes a big difference, folks. And even if you put a red dot on it, it looks a little bit different. It handles a little bit different than a full size gun with a red dot. Would you agree? Sometimes the smaller guns are a little bit more difficult to draw and to draw quickly and to draw efficiently. So I think students found that out as well. It's interesting. Some students came back on the second day with a larger gun. Some did not. Some came with their Smith & Wesson shield that they came to the class with and they trained both days with their Smith & Wesson shield. So if if you're going to bet your life on that gun, I sure hope that you're not just shooting a box of ammo through it every couple of months uh, at a square range standing still because that's not training. All that is is just um, shooting ammo and putting holes in paper 
and having fun time with your family and friends and be able to say, hey, look at that. Look what I did. That's not training, though. It's not even practice. At least, at least go to a competition m- match with your concealed carry gun. Or come take our Beyond Concealed Carry. And by the way, if you are a new shooter, do not worry. Do not worry if you are a new shooter. Read the testimonial that I put on Facebook. We're, we're very good with new shooters. We're very good at coaching. It's one of the advantages of having two instructors. Because if, if someone's a new shooter and they can't keep up with the rest of the people in the class, that's okay, either myself or, or Ben, we will work with you. And we will help get you up to speed or we'll modify some of the drills for you because you are a relatively new shooter. We we can do that. So do not worry. Come to the class. At least have some experience drawing your gun. At least have good equipment. Um, have a good concealed carry holster and a good concealed carry belt. We did have to make one student change his belt because he did not have a concealed carry belt. Uh, make sure that you have a gun belt, a, a belt designed for carrying a gun. There's a big difference between a gun belt and just a dress belt. And if you're not quite sure what that is, let me know. Send me an email, bob at handgunworld.com or handgunworld at gmail.com and I will give you some good information on a belt. We have we have belts and holsters we can loan to you as well. Uh, matter of fact, this is really cool. Another student in the class loaned this student a belt. How cool is that? Isn't that great? Loaned him a belt that was going to work better. And we got him a holster that helped him work a little better. And I think he's got a pretty good idea of what he needs to have now to uh, to effectively carry and utilize his gun. Folks, you got to carry your guns as if you're going to use them. You have to have the gear and you have to have the training because that's that's why you carry it, right? In case you have to use it. And don't you want to be at your best with the best equipment that you can afford? Don't you want to have that? If you got to bet your life on this, I hope you have said yes to that question. So again, do not worry. Come train with your carry gun. You've heard me say many times, I compete with my carry gun a lot um i compete with glock 19s a lot because i carry a glock 19 Uh, i'm gonna go shoot the next competition match with my glock 48 and 15 round magazines made by shield arms i carry that setup a lot i'm also going to be uh the next class i teach up in dallas the first day i'm going to train either with my i'm going to instruct excuse me with my P365 or my Glock 43X um, because you know I need to have the trigger time and the training time and the practice time with those guns as well and by the way Ben and I we do shoot some of the drills we shoot in front of our students we demonstrate it we're not perfect you're not going to see either one of us shoot perfectly uh, we're, we're humans we're, we're not going to be perfect we're not grandmaster level shooters but we're very good at teaching the material and we're not afraid to demonstrate it and if we make a mistake we'll stop and we'll say okay look at this class this is the mistake that we made and 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 let me show you how to correct that mistake see I, I think it takes a special type of humility for an instructor to do that don't you don't you agree it it, it takes a humility to do that and some instructors won't shoot in front of their students I don't know why I've I've noticed that some instructors will not shoot in front of their their students kind of makes you wonder why doesn't it kind of does that kind of raise a little bit of a question in your mind why won't they shoot the drills and at least show you how it's done or show you how it's supposed to be done and uh, and admit their mistakes if they make them and and then Correct them and show the students how to avoid that. I mean, that's that's learning, folks. That's learning. Learning from other people's experiences. I think another people that or another reason why people should train and practice with their concealed carry guns is it puts your guns and your gear to the test. You got you got to test your guns and gear. Again, if you're going to depend on it, have you tested it? You know, if you're going to depend on your vehicle. If you're going to depend on a car to get you to work every day and get you around, 
you test your car, right? You know, you, you drive your car. And if there's a problem with your car, your vehicle, your truck, or whatever, you take it to the mechanic, or if you're good enough, you fix it yourself. And, and you know what its faults are. You, you know what the vehicle's capability is. You've driven it many times. You know, you, you know that it's dependable, and if it's not, you make it dependable. You know what? You've got to do the same thing with your concealed carry guns. You've got to do that with your concealed carry guns. You've got to test them. You've got to shoot them. If they're not working well, you got to make them work well, or you got to get rid of it and get something that works well for you. And if it needs fixing, then you fix it. If you need fixing, then you fix yourself. And you come to a class, or you go to a competition match, or you get a private lesson. I do private lessons too. I did one about a month and a half ago. It was really cool. Three awesome people set up a private lesson with me. I think I talked about that. Um, about a month ago on one of my shows, but that's how you that's how you test your equipment. Um, you know, if you had never driven your vehicle before, and you want to go take a a 500 mile trip, and you know, let's say it's for work or something like that, and you had never driven or tested the reliability of your vehicle, how smart would that be to go take the 500, 600 round trip? 600-mile trip, uh, especially if it's a, a very important business trip or something like that. I mean, that's just an example I'm throwing out there. Wouldn't be a very smart idea, would it? Well, it's it's just like it's not a very smart idea to be carrying a gun around and to bet your life on that gun and think to yourself, okay, I'm all right, something happens, I'm going to be able to defend myself. But you've never you've never taken that gun on a trip. Okay, you've never tested it before you took it on the trip, and that you know the trip your gun makes is into the holster every day, and inside or outside of your waistband, and that's about it. And then when when your day is over, it comes out of the holster and it goes in your safe and back and forth and back and forth. All right, but that gun is going to be asked by you. Unfortunately, if the bad day arrives, we hope he never it never does. As I've always said, I don't go looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble finds me. Let's hope we never have to do that. But if we do, are you ready? And has that little tiny concealed carry gun, has it been on that trip? Has it been tested? You know, has it been tested to the point to where it can fail? That's the other thing. Uh, We saw some concealed carry guns at our class they were shot to the point of failure. And we're not quite sure what the failure was. If the failure was the gun, or if it was the ammo, or if it was the shooter, or if it was a combination of all three of those. Because any of those can cause a failure or a malfunction. But you need to know where that failure point is, don't you? And with any gun, even if it's not your concealed carry gun, if it's a full-size race gun, duty gun, range toy, whatever it is. You need to know what its failure point is. And don't say your gun doesn't fail. If your gun doesn't fail, it's because you have not shot your gun enough. I mean, I'm serious. Any gun pushed to the limit is is going to fail. And it may not, like I said, it may not be the gun. It might be you. It might be you pushing yourself to the limit to where you caused the gun to malfunction. And in my mind, failure is not just a malfunction, but failure is not hitting the target and not hitting the target where you're supposed to hit the target. That's also failure. And usually that's not the gun's fault. Missing the target and missing the spot where you're on the target where you're supposed to put your bullets, that, that's not normally the gun's fault. That's the shooter putting himself or herself to the limit and... Then once you get to that limit, now you got to learn how do you go past that limit and maintain accuracy and speed so that you don't fail. Okay? It's rarely the gun. So some people that were training with their concealed carry guns, they did they did get to the limit. It was either the gun's limit, the ammo's limit, or the shooter's limit, and I'm going to bet my money that it was the latter the shooter's limit. So come to our class. We'll help you with that. And that was good to see people training with, 
with those guns. We didn't have any of the J-frame revolvers, but in the past we've had some people come and train with a small revolver. Uh, that's happened. I can remember at least one person that's done that. All the guns in our class were semi-automatics. Uh, they were all SIGs, M&Ps, Glocks. Let's see, no revolvers, no 1911s. I think that pretty much, it was SIGs, M&Ps, Glocks, and uh, let me think here for a second. Uh, including me and Ben, I think those were pretty much the three types of guns. Now, some people had large versions and smaller versions. Some had, you know, full-size M&Ps, full-size Glocks. Some had Smith & Wesson Shields, Glock 43s, uh, 43Xs. Uh, two people shot a P365XL. So let me take some time to talk about that. Um, I got a chance to shoot a student's P365XL. I've shot this 365XL before, the exact same gun. Uh, I am just mildly, mildly impressed with that gun. It actually has more recoil than my Glock 48. Um, I noticed that. Uh, the, the SIG, for me, the SIG P365XL has more felt recoil than my Glock 48. And a Glock 48 is pretty much the a comparable size and capacity to the, to the 365XL. Uh, the one I shot, the one I shot did not have a, a red dot on it. Um, no, I take that back. I shot both. I shot the iron-sided version of the 365XL and the red dot version. And, um, uh, you know, with a red dot, I'm not really too much faster and better because I haven't got to, the, I haven't practiced and trained to the point where, what, where you need to do it to get good with a red dot. I just, I just haven't done that yet. I did get a chance to shoot a student's P320 X compact with the Romeo red dot and uh, that is a nice pistol that is a very nice pistol I looked it up after the class it's also got a very nice price tag <laughs> um, if I was just getting started and I was looking for a pack compact gun uh, I don't know why that's called compact because it's it's really not but they call it that so I'll call it that if I was looking for a mid-size gun, let me change my terminology, a mid-size. See, Glock 19 is not compact. That's a mid-size. MMP 2.0, not compact. That's a mid-size. SIG P320X, the carry and the compact version, those are mid-size guns. Come on. A compact gun is a Glock 43, a Smith & Wesson Shield, um, a small Ruger. Guns like that. P365s. That's a compact gun. Car PM9s. That's a compact gun. You know, Ruger LC9s. Compact gun. Not not a Glock 19. So the, so the, the Sig 320. Good gun. Very good gun. I love the flat trigger on it. I, I'm I'm a big fan of flat triggers. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's probably not a gun I would switch to using and carrying because I do not want to make the commitment to put in the hundreds of hours and thousands of rounds that I would need to master that gun when I've already become pretty good with one of my Glock 19s or M&P 2.0s, the so-called M&P 2.0 compact, okay, which is a midsize. So because I've, I've been able to put in the time and the hours and the training and, and everything with those, and i got tons of magazines and holsters for those, I just can't see the practicality of switching to a P320X compact. But if you're just getting started and you're looking for a gun like that, I would recommend that gun. It's a, it's a good one. It, it shoots great. It's, it's a fine, fine handgun. I think it makes a great... Uh, concealed carry piece. Okay, just a quick break and I will be right back.
Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking with just a little flight information. Coming up on the left, we're going to be catching a glimpse of the Grand Canyon. On the right, you can be able to see the Hooper Dam in just a few minutes. We're flying at an altitude of 37,000 feet and our airspeed is 400 miles an hour. Couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra. That's a 357 caliber firearm with a black rubber grip and a six inch barrel. Also, the co pilot is carrying a Kimber Custom Defense pistol with all the bells and whistles you'd expect from a custom gun of that kind with an alloy frame and bevel treatment on the entire gun. And our chief flight attendant, Roger, has a Ruger Bearcat 22 with a hand fluted cylinder. All three are capable of piercing body armor at a distance of up to 27 feet, and it can put a hole in human bone and flesh the size of the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is coming up on the left-hand side of the plane, so just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the flight. Okay, back with you. Now, as some of you have probably noticed, I'm doing a special project on this show. I am covering the 10 constitutional amendments which which constitute the Bill of Rights, the so-called Bill of Rights. Okay, and I'm doing this because we've got a big major election with a lot at stake, and I've already covered the First Amendment and the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. I forgot to cover the Third Amendment in the last episode, so I'm going to cover the Third and Fourth Amendment in this um, this episode right here. So the Third Amendment of the Constitution says, no, sh- no soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be pres- prescribed by law. I'll say that again. No soldier shall in times of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Now, this this is not very applicable today. In 1789 it was, because of the way that they had to fight the American Revolution. Um, I do not believe, in fact, I'm pretty sure I looked it up, this has never even been argued before the Supreme Court or anything. I don't think there's any case history. If somebody can find it, let me know if I missed it and uh, and tell me about it. You can always call in a voicemail, 210-646-1727, 210-646-1727. You can email me, handgunworld at gmail.com, or you can put a comment on Facebook, because I always put every show link on Facebook, and I welcome comments. But the Third Amendment has never really been um, challenged much or discussed. But I wanted to give it to you, so there it is. Now let's go to the Fourth Amendment. This is, I mean, you know, this is a this is a hot a hot one here. It's a hot one, especially even what's happened recently um, in the news. And and I'm not going to go into regurgitating the news because you get that in a lot of different places, you know, and it just sometimes gets overwhelming. But here's the Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. In other words, due process. In other words, you cannot just be arbitrarily searched because, because somebody chooses to search you. They have to get a warrant. They have to show probable cause. It has to be specific. It has to describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized and a judge has to sign off and approve that. Now, there are controversial warrants, uh, such as no-knock warrants, that some people call controversial. Uh, I think, in my humble opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, folks, so I'm not giving legal advice, and I'm not a constitutional expert, but I'm just a common-sense evaluator of things. Right? I just keep this rooted in common sense. And if I, if I look at the Fourth Amendment with a degree of common sense, it tells me that if somebody wants to get a warrant on you and they have enough probable cause to get even a no-knock warrant, which means that law enforcement does not have to identify themselves, if they can show enough probable cause to get a warrant like that, 
I'd say you probably deserve to be searched, you know? I mean, that's just kind of my my opinion. If, if, if a judge... Now, I mean, there are unscrupulous judges. I get that. Our system is not perfect. But I would say even just a regular warrant. Um, there may be enough... If there's enough probable cause, then... Now, you know... Uh, do you have to consent to a search if they do not have a warrant? Uh, absolutely not. You don't have to consent to that. You can invoke your Fourth Amendment right to not consent to such a search unless they have uh, a warrant. Now, these days, there are people making the argument that even some of the COVID-19 testing uh, could be an infringement upon someone's Fourth Amendment rights. Um you know, I, I, I guess I've seen that argument made. I guess you, you could make an argument on that. I mean, the government cer- certainly, in many areas, is overreaching big time. Big time, the government. And, and you know, in some cases, uh, law enforcement's overreaching. Most cases, not, I don't think. Um, when I look at this objectively, again, I try to keep emotion out of this, folks. I keep emotion out of this. I, I've said in the past I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. And I have the utmost respect for law enforcement. I will agree that there are bad apples in law enforcement. That there are maybe improperly trained uh, law enforcement officers. Uh, law enforcement officers are people. So people make mistakes and sometimes people do bad things. And so sometimes, because law enforcement officers are people, they do bad things, and they should be rightly punished if they do things against the law that are bad, that are not within the code of conduct of law enforcement. Uh, I, but I do not believe that that is the majority. It's not the majority of law enforcement. I also do not believe that it's the majority of judges that approving Warrants without decent cause. I, I don't believe that, that, that the majority of judges do stuff like that. I think it's overwhelmingly uh, correct and according to the law. So anyway, that's the Third and Fourth Amendment. Um, the Fourth Amendment, I think, is definitely uh, something, part of the Bill of Rights, that, that certain politicians want to infringe upon, and especially your Second Amendment and your First Amendment rights. So there's a lot at stake on November 3rd. So next week, I'm going to be talking about the Fifth Amendment, another one that's been argued a lot and used a lot and invoked a lot in courts and appellate courts and district courts and all over the place. Um, so that, that's an important one. So you got to think about this. You know, when you make a decision, don't make a Republican or Democrat decision, okay? Please, please don't make a Republican or a Democrat decision at the polls, in other words, please don't just vote for a party uh, because you've been told to vote that way all your life, or your parents did, or your grandparents did. And oh my goodness, what would what would my family think of me if I voted the other way? Get rid of that, okay? Look at the candidates, and I'm not just talking about the two people running for president. I'm also talking about your local representatives, your governors, your mayors, your county judges, uh you know, your, even your school board officials, and ask yourself, what? okay, how do they match up with what I believe? How do they match up with the United States Constitution? How much of this Constitution are they going to uphold? Or how much of it are they going to shred and walk all over? And how many of my rights are these politicians that are running... How, how many of my rights are they going to destroy? Because, you know, all people, people, unfortunately, sometimes people get drunk with power. And when they get drunk with power, they just, they ignore the Constitution. And too many people are drunk with power. So, so let's not, uh, let, let, let's pay attention to that when we vote. And, um, you know, as, as I write, or as I dictate this, um, this podcast, there are people that, uh, well, a new a new nominee for the Supreme Court just got nominated by the president, like not more than two hours before I dictated this podcast. So you even have to ask yourself now, you know, we don't get a direct say so in whether that person gets seated on the Supreme Court. The United States Senate makes the decision 
whether that person gets seated, but the theory is that we've elected our senators. So because we've elected our senators, indirectly, we have a say-so in that person, whether they get seated. We elected the president. So you have to understand that when you elect presidents, uh, you are also electing potential potential Supreme Court, Supreme Court judges that that president may nominate and, and put on the bench. Okay, so enough about that. I'll be covering the Fifth Amendment in the next episode. And I should have all of the Ten Amendments covered uh, on the weekend before the election. I should have them all done by then. And so it gives you something to think about here for the next several weeks before you vote. Okay, back to guns. I, I want to talk about red dots just briefly. Just briefly. I actually really did not see uh, the students that, that were using red dots in the class. I didn't see them really shooting much better than the students who were not shooting red dots. Now, in, in competition matches, I see an advantage that, the, that, that competitors with red dots have. Now, they compete in a separate division, so the red dot pistol shooters are not competing with the iron sight pistol shooters in competition. There's a, there's a certain division, and they all compete together in, within their set of equipment. But I do see, and, and probably because in competition, a lot of those shooters have, have practiced a lot more with their red dots. Um, and so they've become very proficient with them. Now, we did some long-range shooting, uh, as we always do. We teach that in Beyond Concealed Carry, like over, over 75 yards. And you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed what some of the students were doing with small guns. I mean, Smith & Wesson Shields making hits on a silhouette steel target from over 75 yards with a, with a Smith & Wesson shield with a, with a Glock 43X. Um, you know, people were doing it. And, and also with full-size guns. So don't let anybody tell you that you can't shoot at those distances with your handgun. Now, is it practical to do that in a self-defense situation? Well, I'm going to borrow the answer that Greg Nichols and other people use. It depends. It depends. Uh, you know, it's possible that you may have to act in self-defense at that range. Highly unlikely, but it's possible. It depends on the circumstances. It really depends. If you have a mob of people and they're shooting at you and they're firing rounds at you, I, I would say in that situation, then yeah, I, I, I would say that's self-defense. I mean, you know, if I'm wrong, again, this is not legal advice. I'm going to put the disclaimer that I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just giving common sense advice. But if people are just yelling at you from 75 yards, then um, keep your gun in your holster if they're just yelling at you. And saying nasty words. Keep your gun in your holster. Okay? But it's a good skill because here's what one student said to me after we did the long-range shooting. One student says, wow, after, after shooting several rounds long-range and practicing this for about an hour, whew, it makes the close-range stuff seem ridiculously easy. And uh, he was right. He was right. One of the best things you can do is practice with your handgun at 75 to 100 yards. And if you can make hits on a, a decent-sized target at 75, 100 yards, when you're 10 or 15 yards, it's going to seem like a piece of cake. And that's true. It's true. So practice that. Practice that as often as you possibly can. Even if you don't think it's a skill you'll use in self-defense, it's a skill you need to learn because it's going to help you master other skills. That's the thing. It's a progression. It's a progression of skills. Okay? And even with your concealed carry gun, you can do it. People do it. Okay, as I begin to wrap up, please remember my Amazon store is alive and well. If you want to support this show and you do a lot of shopping on Amazon, go to handgunworld.com first. Go to my Amazon store page and then log into your Amazon account and make your purchases. That helps me out financially. 
and I would appreciate that. If you've never given me a, a review on iTunes, if you use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please give me a review on that because people often use that to search for shows, even if they don't use that to listen. They use that to search, and the reviews help me. I, I'd appreciate that. Give, give an honest review, a, a, a completely honest review, please. And again, don't forget my Patreon page that's just been launched, patreon.com slash handgunworld. Uh, okay, folks, thanks for tuning in to episode 524. Let me just think for a minute, uh, see if there's anything that I have not talked about, something that I might have forgotten that I can remember here before I sign off. As I sit here for a few seconds, I don't think there is. I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about. I write down notes and things, and uh, I've been through all the notes that I wanted to cover. And then, of course, sometimes I add things in. And I added all those in uh, at the last minute that I decided I wanted to talk about. So next is I'd like to get your feedback. Feedback. Please remember the voicemail. 210-646-1727. I recently got a good voicemail, and I promise, I know it was a couple weeks ago. Thank you, sir, for calling it in. You're going to be on the next episode, next Sunday, episode 525. So if you want to get your question or comment played on the show, call in, uh, email handgunworld at gmail.com. And that's it. So remember... The loudest sound that a shooter hears is a bang when he's expecting a click or a click when he's expecting a bang. By the way, I, I heard that a couple times during the class. A click when they were expecting a bang. It, it's a loud sound, folks. So we even help you get that squared away, too, when you come to class. Remember, shoot straight, shoot safe. Read your Bible like I do. Read it every day. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hey folks, you know what? There is something I forgot to talk about. And I realized it after I signed off. For all of you who are Shooters Club members, I have an announcement. Uh, PayPal sucks. That's my announcement. PayPal sucks. Um, they cut us off. They're anti-gun. They believe that what we're selling could lead to the sale of guns. So they decided to cut us off. So if you are a member of the Shooters Club and you've been paying us on PayPal, you might get a notice when it's time for you to renew that you could not renew and your membership will be temporarily suspended. So uh, email me, handgunworld at gmail.com or you'll get an email from us explaining a different method of sign-up and paying for your membership. This does not affect anybody who has joined me as a Patreon. It does not affect my Patreon page. Only those of you who are members of the Shooters Club. Thank you. <laughs>